Hi, welcome back to the Reading Radio Podcast. I'm Alora, and this month we are going to be doing the first Enderwick's book by Jean Birdsall? Birdsall, yeah. Birdsall. Um, thank you so much for listening and sharing the podcast, and I hope you enjoy this one. All right. Well, this is Jason, and we actually have two special guests with us today. You want to go ahead and give us your names? I... Hi, I'm Zoe. You might remember Zoe from, I think, our second podcast on the per- on the first Percy Jackson book. She's back with us after a year. And? I'm Heather Fisher. Heather Fisher, my lovely wife. So we finally have convinced them both to come on the show with us because we read this book as a family. And we thought, well, our listeners in the private Facebook group actually said, it'd be nice if you got some other voices. Apparently, we aren't good enough, is what I'm hearing. <laughs> and we needed to get other people involved. But thanks well. for joining us. <laughs> What uh, what brought this book about? I'm not even sure how it got decided to be our family book. Um, well, I think our mom was looking for a homeschool event, and she found a Pendlewicks book club okay. to do, and we decided to do that for a homeschool event. Is that right? Is that that right? is true. Yeah, okay. and so we got the first book from the library and read through it. And then we started the second one in the yeah. series. Okay. And this week we get to go out to a park and play Penderwick style with a bunch of other wonderful homeschoolers. Well, that Ooh. sounds awfully fun. Yeah. I'd never heard of this book before. So I was, wasn't sure what to expect coming into it, which is kind of fun. Usually I have some idea of what we're reading. But I just jumped in as we were reading. Um, we didn't do the audio version necessarily, although Heather read most of the book out loud for us and did some really good voices. So I highly recommend if you can get her recording, you go ahead and listen to that version. <laughs> Otherwise, uh, have somebody in the family who's good at voice acting go ahead and give us a, a rundown. Uh, you want to give us a spoiler-free summary of the book? Anyone? Um, so it's about where the Penderwicks, um, family, of four, family of five, take a vacation to Arundel Hall. Take a vacation to Arundel Hall, and they have have some fun adventures with a boy. With a boy. Leave that. There's always a boy involved. (laughs) Oh, and you can't forget the rabbits. The rabbits. In fact, the subtitle of this book is like four girls, two rabbits, and a boy. And a A boy. boy. So it's actually it was kind of clever. Can anybody name the four Penderwick sisters from top to bottom? I can. Okay. Um. Rosalind, Sky, Jane, Batty. Isn't Jane older than Sky? No. Sky's older Is than it? Jane. Oh, okay. Right? You Rosalind, right. Sky, Jane, I Batty. I tell you, Jane yeah. and Rosalind blend together in my head a little bit, whereas Sky and Batty are very distinct, maybe because mom did. Well, Sky has all the attitude. Batty is young, and she did a funny voice for Batty, so that makes sense. But Jane and Rosalind were kind of like, they could but be in Jane is the aspiring author. And that's how I remember. She's the daydreamer and always has a solution because her author mind is going ahead of every situation trying to figure out how her famous character, Sabrina Starr, would solve the situation. And because of that, she's able to solve the situations. Right. And so and that's how I started to remember it. Rosalind is the prototypical oldest child, takes mm-hmm. care of everybody, and then... St- Sky is the prototypical middle child, causes a lot of trouble, has a lot of attitude, reminds me a lot of somebody I know. Who uh, would that be? We're not naming names on this podcast. This is forever. <laughs> and then, of course, Bella Jane and then Batty is just obvious and awesome. So, 
We have uh, our normal process here. We talk about maybe what the age range is on the book. Um, some of the books we've read have had different content levels. So based on how readable, like readability and content, what age is appropriate for this book? I would think probably like five and up. Yeah, I think that's pretty fair. It wasn't anything content-wise that was questionable. Yeah. Um, and as long as... Five-year-olds probably couldn't read it by themselves. Yeah. So yeah. as a read-aloud book, definitely five-year-olds would be fine. Reading it by yourself? I'd have to disagree on the five. Actually, let's hear it. Little, little bit of hints of relationship and tween struggles of hormones and emotions. Yeah. That maybe a younger child wouldn't pick on at all. But... Nothing too heavy, just enough to pique some really good family conversations. Because of that, I would probably stick it seven or eight, eight, okay. eight and up. Everyone's allowed their opinion. I have to agree with mom on this one. <gasps> Older. That's right. what I was going to say. So I think sometimes as parents, and maybe we've brought you into this as well, we give little kids too much credit for picking up on some of that stuff. I don't know that a five-year-old, I'm thinking of some of them we know, they wouldn't even think about that. Mm-hmm. But we could be wrong, uh, but let it be known that there are a few of those things in there if you want to read this to your own kids. So mm-hmm. you need to make, make, make that decision because you're the parent, not me, at least for your kids. I take responsibility for these two, none others. Um, all right, do you want to give our star ratings now? Okay. So let me tell you, half stars are allowed because I know you guys don't actually listen to our show. I'm going to have to lay this out for you. One to five stars, half stars are allowed. Five stars is greatest book in the world. Everybody should read this book. One star is... Nobody should read this book. I don't know why they bother publishing it. Where would you put the Benderwicks? So five stars is like Chronicle of Narnia yeah. type. Yes. Type yeah. level. Okay. I would put it probably like three, no, four and a half. Four and a half. Four, four and a half. Four? Four. So four. everybody should read this book, but you're not willing to force them to do it at the point of a gun. Yeah. All right, fair enough. I think I'd have to ride the four wave. I was kind of going with the three and a half, but I really like the personalities that the kids have. The family dynamic is wonderful. The dad is a great character that's developing. And I know that there are four more books past this that I'm excited to dig into. So the complexity of understanding that more things are getting ready to happen, that this doesn't just stop where it is, I'm going to have to go with a four. Okay. Alora? Um... I liked it, but some of the characters kind of blended together, like Jane and Rosalind. So I think, I'm hoping the later books will be better, but I'm going to actually have to say this one is about a three and a half. Three and a half, that's fine. Mm -hmm. Everyone's inside with their opinion on this one. I'm going to go, man, I was struggling. I I think I'm going to go three and a half as well. We'll let the rookies give the higher scores and be more lenient. Uh, us veterans will judge a little more critically on the book. Who are we to judge? I mean, I've never written anything nearly as good as this, so take that judgment for what it is. But it's definitely good. I would recommend yeah. everyone read it. It's better than several books that we've read for the podcast. Uh, not as good as others that I've read, but I'm definitely interested in reading the rest of them and finding out what it's all about. All right. We're not going to run through an entire summary, but let's ask, what's your favorite scene from the Penderwicks? Um, spoilers allowed? Yep, yeah, sorry, that's right. We're moving into spoiler territory now, ladies and gentlemen. You've now entered the spoiler zone. If you've not read The Penderwicks, please put this podcast down. Get the book, read it for yourself, and come back and join us so that you aren't spoiled. Okay, now we're done. Go ahead. All right, so my favorite part was when 
um, Pat, Batty was just so curious just to go in and to find daisies and things and to find beautiful horses that she wasn't paying attention enough to her older sisters and um, Jeffrey when they were saying it was a bull. So So that's when she almost got attacked by the bull and Jeffrey came in and saved her life. When she was getting, yeah, that area. Also when they showed him the Penderwick's honor thing. Yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. I liked all the scenes where it was developing through Jane's thought process of how she was writing the Sabrina Starbuck. Okay. So I liked seeing how she worked out the characters and how she was going to play out the books. I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, seeing into the mind of a potential author, I can see how you'd be interested in that. I'm tied between two events. Don't take mine. Sorry. Can I go first? No, 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 we're going around the circle. I, I get to go. I only have one, though. If you have two, okay, then no, you, no. you can... Okay, so, fine. my first one has to be the Garden Club incident. And I don't want to ruin anything because it's a really fun... Even though we're in the spoiler zone... They, if they haven't read the book, it's their fault. I don't fault. want to ruin it because it's a really special... It's a special moment. Okay. So, I mean, you know, just soccer balls flying, tempers flaring... Everybody's character, kind of, their attitudes show up, and it's a heated situation. Definitely one of the highlights. The next one, I think, would have You don't get two. Let me do one before you do two. If I don't cover yours, we can come back to it, but I only got one favorite. Okay. And I shouldn't say this is my favorite, because this is just showing my sinful nature about this being my favorite. Uh Oh, it's my favorite, too. I love when Skye tells off Mrs. Tifton. Yep. Yep. Yes! I have a history of loving when, when people who are like Mrs. Tipton get their comeuppance. When it comes to like Little House on the Prairie, there's a few scenes where Mrs. Olsen gets told what for, and they are my favorite scenes in, in all of Little House on the Prairie. Uh, TV show, not, not books. And this was one of those moments. She's got that snobbish attitude that just drives me crazy. She never bothered to pay any attention to the girls, which... I'm still struggling to figure out when, the, what time period this was written in. Was this like some earlier time period where children should be seen and not heard? Or is this like, I got the feeling it was like mid-80s kind of feel, but that's when my childhood was, so maybe that's why. Well, they definitely sure. had the riding in the station wagon kind of free-flowing feel right. dog running around in the back without being in a cage. Right. And so that, it was not, Sky lost her temper and did not handle it correctly, but... Oh, I like to have it happen. That <laughs> was kind of one of my moments. <laughs> the comeuppance. The comeuppance, yes. Um, another part I really liked was when um, Jeffrey was going to the house of the Penderwicks, and he was like, "I'm running away," and all of the girls were like, "No, we have to help you." And then they called a moose, I think. Yeah, I love the whole dynamic of them having their little. Like yes. the oldest Penderwick sister, then the, the the meeting of Penderwicks, like that whole concept of that tightness amongst their family, I, I really enjoyed. Yes, and like when they kind of almost slipped up, like he's done it when he sa- saved Batty from the bo- rose bushes, and like, <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, I remember that, and it just brought the fondness of Batty being this young girl back to my memory. Yeah. So, 
Jeffrey's now considered to be an honorary Penderick because mm. of the Rosebush incident. Um, Rosebush. <laughs> I think every family has somebody who's family but not blood. Yeah. That makes sense. So how did how did those relationships fit in? What would somebody have to do to be, be granted an honorary Fisherdom, if you will? Fisherdom. <laughs> well, um, I don't want to point names, but you know, my friend is one of our honorary Fishers. Um, we've just hung out a lot. I just I don't know how it happened. Um, I will tell you one way. That is to bake cookies, particularly Snickerdoodles and chocolate chip. That definitely earns yourself into Fisherdom. Yeah, I don't know who you're talking about in particular, but if she, yeah. if that particular person could ship us a frozen package of her cookie dough, that would be wonderful. Yep, yep. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge. <laughs> Very subtle there. <laughs> I'm not trying to be subtle. I'm going to send her this episode. <laughs> we miss you. you. Um, miss you. Well, we've had people that come into our Fisher game nights, which I would call that mm-hmm. an honor they're allowed into our Fisher kingdom, Fisherdom, yep. and there have been people who've actually played games in our tournament. They played one of the games and it counted for points. Yeah, so she says our tournament every year during Christmas time, we have a Fisher family winner-take-all uh, board game tournament where we keep track of who wins the games, and whoever wins the most games by a certain point gets their name engraved on an actual Ultimate Game Master trophy, which is now two years running. Uh, I won the first year, Laura won the second year. Zoe and Heather still waiting to break their way onto the trophy, so we'll see what happens. But yeah, we've invited people into those. I think that's part, you invite people into your sacred moments, for lack of a better word. Eating dinner around our table, and um, playing games with us because that's what we do as a family or any of those kind of things kind of brings people in to be welcomed. Um, yeah, like we did at family camp that, with some of our friends. That was yeah. fun. We just hung out and played a bunch of board games all night. That was, was fun. What did you girls think of Mr. Penderwick? I know the girls kind of stole the show, but... Yeah, he, he seemed like this, like... Not very knowing much about it, Penderwick. Like really, he seemed when Mrs. Tifton came in, all angry. He's like, "Oh, what's wrong?" And like, not knowing about anything that happened. But you don't think that was intentional? I think it was. Oh, oh, okay. I misunderstood you. Then. Like that's what I thought of him. Yeah, I thought he played that very well. He knew what was going on, but he didn't want to accuse the girls. He wanted them to make the right decision on their own. And so he kind of opened the door for that decision to be made properly. Mm. Like when he was talking upstairs, kind of talking to Jeffrey, but not acknowledging that Jeffrey was in the house. And then Jeffrey came out and said, I'm here, sir. I need to make a great decision. He offered to go with him mm-hmm. and support mm-hmm. him. And so he helped Jeffrey to make the right decision, which I think is the proper job of a parent when, you're, when your kids are getting, you know, your ages. I, I can't demand that you do X, Y, and Z. I want you to make those right decisions. Hopefully I've guided you well enough up to this point mm-hmm. to get you there. So, Mom, what do you think about it? My initial thought would be to say that he's a f- single father of four doing the best he can. Four girls, God help the man. But, and a dog. And a dog. <laughs> At least the dog's a boy. <laughs> <laughs> but when I stop and think about it, he is always there. 
by letting them grow and do on their own. He's not a hovering parent that is setting demanding boundaries upon them. He's letting them enjoy their summer and guiding them. And when things fall apart and brownies explode or the house starts to burn down, he's there to rescue and he doesn't berate and beat. He guides, encourages, and, and lets them know that it's okay to learn gives a little bit of Latin for some wisdom, and, and moves on. Kind of a tut-tut cheerio. That's what I needed to do. I wanted to look up if somebody's already translated all the Latin phrases he uses. Because it, <laughs> it would be fun just to like incorporate Latin phrases into our parenting. I think that would be helpful. I don't know. It makes you feel smarter. <laughs> In vino veritas. That's, like, that's the one I know. Look it up, kids. Something, something, truth. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but in what truth? Oh, I know what it is. What is it? In wine and truth. In wine, there is truth. <laughs> yes. Oh, yay, I got it. I know that from watching Tombstone. That's that's my extent for Latin. And I used to know, don't tickle a sleeping dragon. But that was the Hogwarts motto. Yeah. I know one word in Greek, but it's not very polite. Then let's not use that. <laughs> so let's say, I know you girls have never tried to run away, and I'm guessing your mom didn't either, so... No, the most I did was uh, sleep in a cardboard box out on my back porch. That's because you're... That's where you get it from. Why did you sleep in a cardboard box? Well, it was summertime. Why would I sleep inside? I don't know. Why would you sleep? It was a refrigerator box, and I was little, and it fit me perfectly. I don't see the purpose of sleeping on a bed when you can be outside. That's how you sounded like Batty! In a box. I do that all the time. What? I rip up boxes and curl up in them. Get outside. Be creative. Drop the drop the screens and, and go. Which is kind of what about. this book club is about. Let's get yes. away from the screens. Let's find a way to entertain ourselves as a family together. I like I like when they were doing archery. They made the board of Mrs. Tifton's mean boyfriend. Bo- boyfriend. Dexter. Dexter. Um. And they were shooting at it, and Sky made a new one. And I remember when Jane came up to them, him, and she was just heartbroken when he said he wouldn't publish it, and it was horrible. And then Mr. Penderwick came up saying, he's not an actual writer, and it was all fine and stuff. Yeah, even if he was, though, there will always be people ready to crush your dreams. That's the gut reaction for people. Don't. Let that happen. If somebody legitimately knows what they're talking about and says, hey, this isn't very good, then the next thing you should ask is, well, what do I do to improve? How do I get better? If that's something mm-hmm. you want to do, you grind it out and you figure out how to improve. He was a jerk to do it to a little girl. I mean, if she's the second youngest, then I'm like, seriously, what's wrong with you, dude? You encourage her, you move on. <laughs> you don't have to be a jerk about it, but he didn't like kids very much. Yeah. yeah. He wasn't really a he, I don't think person. he liked people very much. Well, he liked Mrs. Tifton so, for whatever reason. Can I kind of backtrack a little? Sure. So when I was talking about when Mr. Penderwick came up and asked, Jane, are you wet? I'm just like, ah, oh, that's so funny. Because most of his daughters had come home wet. Oh, yeah. It's kind of a little running joke there. Yeah. It was cute. I would love to visit a place like this. Like if we could find an Airbnb with a guest house in the back of a on a giant mansion. I can't figure out why this woman would allow children to stay there. If she hated them so badly. Right. Like, she didn't seem to need the money. So what was the point? I, 
to make a story. Yeah, right. Because <laughs> it fit the, it fit the author's plot, plot. That's about right. What do you guys think of Churchy? I love Churchy. I was just about to talk about Henry the Tomato Guy and Churchy. Okay. I like when they went up to the attic and they were showing Rosalind around all these dresses. Now, I know to myself this is a really weird thing. I just love seeing these beautiful dresses. And to get this outline of these dresses, my mind just kind of went, wow, these are just amazing. And seeing all of these. And I really liked... I really liked it. It was awesome. I think Churchy is a really nice character. I think she understands that Jeffrey doesn't like Mrs. Tifton much, his mom. So I think Churchy kind of tries to step in and help him there. Yeah, she balances out Mrs. Tifton really well yeah. as a yeah. character. I was going to say that. She's kind of the opposite of Mrs. Tifton. Yeah. So I, I want to backtrack one second, Laura, with what you said about Jeffrey not liking Mrs. Tifton. I was just going to bring that up. Go do you it. think that's a true statement? Like, do you think he actually doesn't like his mother? I think there was absolutely times in the book where he honestly did not like her. Because right. I think it was more hurt and frustration of being misunderstood and not heard. I mean, I think in the end, because even when the girls would say something against Mrs. Tifton, you know, he he loved his mother. And no matter, you know, what horrible things occurred on either end between him or between her, they still loved each other. They were just, it was a very misunderstood relationship. Neither one of them listened well to each other until the very end. That's why I said he didn't like. He loved her still. He just wasn't fond of her throughout the parts that were playing out through this book. Like throughout times of the book. Do you think the pendulum exasperated that difficulty? Like meaning? Do you think they made the situation worse between Jeffrey and his mother? Yes. Absolutely. And how so? Um, just by, I don't know exactly. I just feel like they did. They may have caused him to get into some trouble that he wouldn't have gotten into otherwise. But they also caused him to be quite rebellious and not listen to his mom by the end of the book. Yeah. Because he was sneaking out of his window beforehand, like by the end of the book. Yeah, but would he have ever stood up to his mother if it wasn't for the Penderwicks? No, he won't have. I don't think so. He would have gone to Pensy. Right. So a whole different future for him, maybe. And maybe not such a happy one, either. Or maybe he would have actually ran away. It's possible. He could have. He could have went to what's aunt? Boston. Yeah, to Boston to live with his aunt. Now, if you show up at your aunt's houses and they don't call us right away, there's a problem. So, I mean, that might have triggered the whole conversation of, you don't listen to me and this is really what I want to do. That sort of thing. But we don't know. It's hard. To, you, you don't get to know both futures. You only get to know the one for the yeah. options you take. So, um, do you think that the sisters did the right thing by hiding Jeffrey? As a parent? No. Kind As a friend? Maybe. As a friend, maybe. 
they were kind of trying to like, oh, he, he doesn't like his mother, and they didn't either. So they were trying to just help him out by hiding him from his mother. Right. If we were talking about legitimate abuse, like she smacked him with frying pans or something, or hit him, like, yeah. legitimately that would be okay. But we're just talking about a disagreement of, fut- of futures, and what he wants versus what she wants. Running away is not the solution to that. Helping him to run away is dangerous. So, I don't think... But do you think by keeping him where they did, that it also helped the situation from getting worse? Because they kept him on property for one night versus him going off somewhere else that they wouldn't have known. He could have left earlier. He could have ended up on a bus. All different scenarios. Whereas, at least being still on property, though it may not be right was a safer alternative than what he was planning to do. Yes, I, I think that was. That was definitely better than the alternatives. But that was I don't think that was their intention. Yeah, they weren't thinking that far ahead. I don't think they thought, oh, we'll keep him here and see if things work out. They were just, we'll keep him here till tomorrow when we can all go and help him run away. Right. So it worked out better, I think, but I don't think that was their intention. Mm-hmm. What would you do if Jeffrey ran away to your house? Again, as a parent, I would March welcome right him. Back over. So let's think of our friend, we'll call her Betty. Betty comes down the street. She comes to us. She's like, I'm running away from home. Well, well, you, well you we're texting. No, no it's, it's, I get to ask the answer the question too. As a parent, we're texting her mom. She's here. She's upset. We're going to talk to her, calm her down, and then. We'll work it out with you, kind of thing. Okay. Kind of like we did the other day. We had a powwow with friends and family mm-hmm. and said, okay, let's talk through this so we can still all be friends. I, as a kid, I don't know. I probably would have tried to do the same thing and hide somebody, thinking that running away wasn't such a big deal. But as a parent, realizing it's much bigger than I thought. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. What would you do, Mom? I don't know that there was... As a kid... You know, here in our house right now, I'm trying to decide. I don't think there's any place you could hide someone unless it was the garage. And even then, if you move, you can hear the noise in the bedroom. So it is not a practical thing to say that we would hide someone here. Now, when I was a little kid in the home that I lived in, there was a shed that was completely detached from the house that was kind of my club hangout. I could totally have snuck someone in there. And our basement was huge and there was always hidey holes. Like... I could have hit someone, and I probably, if somebody would have been in trouble, I'd have been like, yeah, sure, you can hang out here. But you also live down in the middle of nowhere. Nobody's going to get all the way out to your house <laughs> on the way to running away. Well, I was thinking about when I was younger. I lived oh, okay. in, town, in town. Gotcha. But, so, that's kind of hard. Although, even thinking of myself as a child, I don't think I would have legitimately said, yeah, let's keep you. I would have been like, come in. Let's have something to drink. Let's chill out. And then I would have went and got my mom. But I also think my friends would have known that. That's why they wouldn't come to you? <laughs> yeah, like that. they would have known my MO and known that, you know, I'm, they would have a safe place, but that in the end... It would end up sending back. Yeah, yeah. That that there would be parental con- communication. That seems to be our hot word for the Fisher family this week. Communication. So I'll switch gears a little while I have you here. This isn't really a question I can normally bounce with Alora, but as parents reading this book, what good conversations does it open up? Mm. I think we've talked a little bit about communication, 
being able to talk to one another. Open communication. Uh, one of the wonderful concepts that I think we're trying to do in our family is definitely the lack of electronics. Yeah. There, there wasn't a screen. There wasn't a phone. You know, the kids baked and wrote and drew and played with animals. And got bored. <gasps> right. And read books about the Civil War. I, you know, these, these aren't just nowadays typical things that would happen. And I think there is simplicity and beauty in that that we miss. That I really, as a family and as a society, think either we need to not necessarily permanently get back to, but definitely have a little bit of a family focus on to bring ourselves back together as a community. Good stuff. Now, do you girls think there's good topics for family conversation around the book? Yeah, I think there is. Um, you know, I think you could talk about how you would have reacted to some of the situations, how you would have reacted to the bullet-eating man story. The bullet-eating bull man story? Yeah. I mean, the man eating The man bull. eating bull? Yeah! Oh, okay. <laughs> that story. How would you would react to that story? Um, how you react to the bunnies running away? Would you react like, oh no, they ran away? As someone who had pet rabbits, I know how to react to that story. You usually just leave the hutch open and they come back. There's definitely a lot of what would you do situations, but you could also talk about like the concepts of Rosalind, like the love between Rosalind, that and Cagney, the love that Rosalind feels for Cagney, that bring could bring up some good topics, and I think reading through this book, there definitely might be a way to definitely ask as a parent to the kid. Do you think I'm acting like a McTifton in, in any way? Is mm. there a way that I can stop? Like, is there anything I can stop doing? Like, is, there, is there a way I'm not listening to you and I need to? Yeah. It's like, yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. I really like, I really like the idea, and I, I know it would just be a difficult situation. Like, with you girls, if there was a Cagney-Rosalind situation, I think it would not be easy but easier to come to me and to talk about emotions and feelings for a boy and, and, and thoughts and anticipations. But what would it be like, you know, Lord forbid I wasn't in the picture, could you go to your dad instead? <laughs> could, could you have that conversation with him and go, I think I like this kid and what does it mean, and how am I feeling, and what do I do? That would definitely be a very different situation. It'd be a lot harder to do. I feel uncomfortable now. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I don't know. I feel like that would be a little harder. Uh, I don't know. I I think it would be harder. There are times when a girl needs her mother. I understand that. I've often said that if she dies, I'm getting remarried as fast as possible because girls need a mother. I I don't know what would happen to you two if you were being raised by me alone. I just don't think it would turn out well for you. And so... We'd never shower again. You. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so I can see how that would be difficult. As much as I joke about uh, looking forward to harassing your boyfriends and... 
you know, intimidating them and giving them a hard time. Ultimately, I want you two to find young men who will love you and care for you and marry, you know, marry you and be good husbands. And I can't scare them all away. And if, I guess that's one of the first signs. If I can't scare them away, they pass the first test. <laughs> I feel like my future boyfriend is watching this and he's like, oh no. Pay attention, kids. <laughs> well, I think we've also said, we, we just had a conversation an hour or two ago in regards to the difference between setting rules and setting parameters. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that we have ever set a role in which you have to wait until you are XYZ. 35, age. absolutely. Daddy! <laughs> that you have to wait until you are a certain age to date or be engaged or get married or any of these things. 35. Daddy, stop! You broke your own rule then. But we've set the parameters that we, as a family unit, don't encourage dating until you're ready to think about being married. Right? Yeah. And so just those ideas of maybe encouraging not, not rules, but open communication and parameters like okay so what does this look like do you want to hang out with a bunch a group of friends and see i think some situations that cagney and rosalind got into were because they were alone you know if all the sisters would have been there and he wasn't smart enough to recognize that that could cause a problem Mm -hmm. and so it allowed those feelings to flourish in a because of that environment innocent i mean you know absolutely absolutely all right, we're coming up too close to our time. I just I have one request that I'm going to put Heather on the spot for because I said she did read this for us. Can you give us one Mrs. Tifton calling Jeffrey? Can can the microphone handle can the staff yeah, do I'll, this? I'll have to drop the I'll have to edit it later to bring down the amplitude. Okay. Give it a shot. We'll see what happens. So, um in one of the moments in the beginning, Mrs. Tifton is frantically looking for her son. So, my best interpretation of her is Jeffrey Trying to find her son. I've never seen the amplitude wave on Audacity do that before. That's awesome. I'm going to have to edit that out and make sure it, um, it fits. It's when Sky just tumbled over Jeffrey. And they're like, where's Jeffrey? Yeah. That was, that was probably one of the things that made us laugh and giggle the most when she was doing it was that. And then Batty's voice was pretty good too, but I won't make her do that one since she gave us a good Jeffrey. <laughs> oh, so if I would have given you a poor Jeffrey, You'd have had to do I would have had to have done Batty too. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, maybe I have voiceover talent in my future. All right, well, thank you both for coming. I think this was actually one of our better episodes, having more points of view and getting to hear other sides of things. So. It's all because of me. Uh-uh, those of you, me. Those of you in the private Facebook group, go ahead and vote and tell us whether Zoe or, or Heather were the better... No, I'm just kidding. Tell them, <laughs> tell them that... No, tell no, them, no, do vote. No, tell them that you appreciated having them on. Send, send Heather a message. Maybe you can encourage her to join us for future episodes, her and Zoe. If you have not joined our private Facebook group, you can find it on reading-radio.com, which is our website. All the notes about this book will be there as well. If you're looking for our next book, uh, we don't know what we're doing next, actually. So we're still in the process of getting getting a little bit ahead and reading some things, but you'll be able to find that in our bookstore, or I'll, of course, announce it in the private Facebook group and on the website when we figure it out. Did I miss anything? No. I thought it was going to be content. It might be Crime Cats. We're still trying to figure out what we're doing, though. We don't want to declare it now since we're two months ahead. So. All right. Okay, thank you all very much. Goodbye. Bye.